Twenty years ago, one man had a vision. It began here, and it would change our world. As the vision grew, we cheered it on. Stood in awe. Held onto our seats. And gave up our hearts. The boyhood dream has come true. We watched with utter disbelief. Stunned silence. And sheer amazement. But above all, we've been inspired and enriched by the vision. Welcome to WrestleMania! Sometimes things are so special in your life that words cannot explain. The history alone in that place makes Madison Square Garden special. My family's gonna come there. My wife, my mom, my dad, my daughter. Everything that I've ever wanted out of life comes down to this one day, this one short period of time. My passion, the thing you dream about and consumes you. People are gonna remember this forever. People will say, you know, that match was worth coming back for. You haven't lived, you haven't breathed until you've danced at WrestleMania. Tonight will be like no other. Tonight is the showcase of the immortals. They will achieve the impossible and forge new beginnings. Tonight, men will hunt down their dreams. Tonight, no one holds back. Tonight is where it all begins. Again. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Review of Mania. 20. We've made it. Episode 20. We're going to be reviewing WrestleMania 20, where it all begins again. My name is Rob. Yeah. And I'm here with Zach. Yeah. And... It's and we're getting to the point where there are WrestleManias with subtitles. No, they've always had them. We just never used them. Well, yeah, but now they really start to like incorporate them into the tag and into the show. Correct. Yeah, before it was just promotional material. Like seventeen was Houston, we have a problem, and eighteen was like Legend or Icon versus Legend and whatever else. But yeah, I, yeah, I'd say you're right. What's yes. 19? So in the uh, 19 didn't have one. You're right, man. So now we're at where it all begins again. Next time is going to be WrestleMania, WrestleMania goes, goes to Hollywood. Hollywood. God, I can't wait to talk about that because I thought it was so stupid. And then WrestleMania 22. What's the tagline? Uh, Electric Boogaloo. Big time. Oh, God. I had the painter. Big time. It's like, dude, it's 2006 yeah. or whatever. And you're doing fucking Peter Gabriel from the 1980s. Fuck off. Because it's Vince. What do you expect? Yeah, he did have a pay-per-view called Great Balls of Fire. Just because he had the rights to Great Balls of Fire by Little Richard. This year, he did a pay-per-view called Stomping Grounds. And it was 
And the song that went with that pay-per-view was These Boots Are Made For Walking. Yes. So let's... I wonder if they just buy, like, random songs. Like, they're like, hey, we'll throw in These Boots Are Made For Walking for no additional cost because you bought, you know, whatever songs. And they're like, oh, sure. Well, shit, we have to use it somehow. Fuck it. We'll just make another pay-per-view. Maybe. Or maybe those songs are just really cheap now. Or that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But we are going all the way back to the year 2004. Man, I remember watching the... I remember parts of this show, and then there's things I didn't even remember. I was um, in seventh grade. This was my first WrestleMania, not in school. Actually, I'll take that back. I was in college. Um... Uh, yeah, I was in college because I remember vividly next next pay-per-view would be Backlash with the Mick Foley versus Randy Orton. So, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I was, I was, it? Uh, yeah. Could you pause? I'm just going to shut that. So yeah, uh, my first WrestleMania out of high school and then I started my first year of college. So I feel so old. So, let's get into WrestleMania 20. What has been happening in the WWE landscape, Zach, that brings us brings us up to WrestleMania 20? Basically, a lot of major changes. One, Stone Cold Steve Austin has basically retired. Yep. And he spent the majority of the year as the Raw general manager alongside Eric Bischoff. Now, oh my god, I remember watching this live. Seeing Eric Bischoff come out, being announced as the general manager. Was it 2002 or 2003 that he was announced? I think it was was 2002 because he was there with the elimination chamber it was his idea oh yeah okay so i think this is the first time i think at least at wrestlemania that we've watched where it actually mattered i think he was kind of there last year but i kind of feel like he he was kind of there last year but he didn't have anything presence yeah so and so the majority of the year on raw has been dominated by Stone Cold Steve Austin, Eric Bischoff, they're kind of on and off again rivalry. Austin doesn't and feel that, like walking, so he has an ATV. Yes. He just has an ATV with beer on it, and it's. I'm drinking and driving. Plastic. What? I said, I'm drinking and driving. What? DWI. <laughs> what? Breathalyzer. What? 0.08. What? Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> uh, and. And the major and the major storyline has been centered around Triple H and the World Heavyweight Championship. Holding down the roster, the Triple H saga continues. Yeah, he has, he has basically held the title for the entire year, with one exception, where he lost it to Goldberg for like two months, and then he got <clears> it back. Yes. So, yeah, and uh, leading into this, Goldberg's contract's ending, and he's like, fuck this, I'm leaving. Yeah, he did, He absolutely, for one thing, he honestly, he didn't want to come in the first place, but he came because the money was so good. 
I mean, you'd be silly not to. Come on, give me a break. Basically, they they offered him. I think like it was like two million dollars to basically just show up at every Raw and pay per view. He didn't have to work any house shows. That was that was his deal. There you go. And he acted like a total asshole to everybody at the time. Uh, you can. I remember talk, Jericho about... and him got into a fight like legit from back in the yeah, WCW days. Yeah, basically. Uh, Jericho wanted to work with Goldberg back in WCW. Goldberg said no because he was a cruiserweight. Fast forward a few years. They're both in WWE. And WWE says, okay, you're going to have a program together because Jericho is one of our biggest stars. And Goldberg's like, I don't want to work with this guy. He's a joke. And Jericho confronted him about it. They kind of get into a fist fight. And Jericho snaps on a front face lock and chokes Goldberg out backstage. <laughs> I'm a joke now. So, oh, man. needless to say, after that, Goldberg was a little bit more humble. And and Jericho lost clean to him. So, you know, it's the wacky world of wrestling. Yeah, the only thing I remember is like Jericho throwing yellow paint or something on Goldberg's like Camaro. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember, like, individual storylines and stuff like this at this point. Because I haven't watched those Raws in so long. Yeah. But, so that was mostly, that was, like, the main major storylines in Raw. The other the other one I think we should probably mention is the storyline where uh, Triple H beat Kane and uh, absorbed the Intercontinental Championship. I know technically this happened last year. But it, it goes into this year because Unmasked Kane makes his WWE. Dude, Unmasked players. Kane is fucking amazing. Yeah, That's well, we'll I mean, into. he started off really cool. Yes. And he kind of goes on this, like, absolute war path. He destroys RVD, who was his tag team partner at the time. He uh, kills his brother. Yep, he died. He he died at The Undertaker. He's dead at he it. He died... Yeah, he he redeaded the Undertaker <laughs> uh, at the end of the year, and that's going to play into a match that yep. happens at this card. Uh, on the SmackDown side of things, it's basically been the Bork Laser Show. Dude, he's got the rocket strapped to his back, hardcore still. Uh, Brock Lesnar has had fantastic feuds with Kurt Angle and Undertaker throughout most of the year. Uh, he lost the title to Big Show for some reason, but uh, and they broke the ring, which is a famous spot for some reason. Yep. Even though it's completely stupid and fake. Yep. And then and they redid uh, it again. He... <laughs> yeah, they did it again, and uh, he goes on to basically hold the WWE Championship. Like he he loses it to Kurt at some point during the year, but he basically held, holds the title for. The entire year up until the Royal Rumble, where he uh, loses it to Eddie Guerrero in what is a fantastic match. Kind of legendary. Uh, and uh, that sets up the feud between Kurt Angle, who has been basically killing himself to get back into the WWE Championship picture after having these hellish matches with Brock and Eddie. So that's those are the kind of the storylines. Yep. 
I watched the Raw before this, and the Undertaker and Kane started off this. Well, Undertaker was sending signs that he was coming back, and the last one was he made the ring levitate. Yes, so we all knew that Spooky Taker was coming back. Yep. At the time, it was, it's funny to say this now, but at the time, the thought was that Undertaker was going to come back with his original gimmick for maybe a year or two, and then he was going to retire. Oh, that didn't happen. man. I'm glad it didn't happen, but yeah. It was so weird watching a young Undertaker. Well, you know, not young, but... He's just... not young at this point. He's in his, he's in his early 40s. Just what you see now versus what you see then. It's like, oh, God. So he, well, I, I guess I shouldn't say he was in it. Well, I guess he technically was in his early 40s. I'm I'm not sure because he's like 55 now. 50 is like 50. I think he's 55 now. So this was 15 years ago. So, yeah, he would be in his early 40s. Mm-hmm. Finally, we had Chris Benoit running the table at the Royal Rumble. He started number one. And defeated everybody in 62 minutes. And you'll never know that because now for the Royal Rumble, they just say, oh, three men have done the job. And they'll be like, Ray Mysterio and Rick, or was it Rick? No, Shawn Michaels. Well, technically, Ray Mysterio and Ric Flair both, well, no, Ric Flair did it from number three. I always think he did it from number two because he was in there for an abnormally long amount of time. But yeah. yeah, it was Shawn Michaels at number one and uh, Rey Mysterio at number two. No, I thought Rey Mysterio did it too. Did he? Yeah, he did it from number two. Oh, okay. He Because if you watch that Royal Rumble, Triple H comes out first and then it's Rey. Ah, okay. And it's not, it's, it's like, okay, why, Trips, why do you have to come out first? Yeah. But. Who knows? Anyway. There's a triple threat for the world championship because things. Anyway, uh, we are coming from Madison Square Garden on March 14th, 2004. A very early WrestleMania. Yes, this act, this WrestleMania actually happened on my birthday. That. Oh, wow. Did you get it for yeah. your birthday? I did not. Ah. I, I wasn't watching at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well... The thing was that uh, at the time I wasn't watching because what was it? I think I stopped watching after WrestleMania 18 because I was a really big fan of The Rock, and then like The Rock wasn't around as much. Yeah, he went back to Hollywood after the shocker. Went back to Hollywood, and so like <clears throat> those couple of years, I didn't really watch. And I didn't actually buy a WrestleMania on pay-per-view again until WrestleMania 25. Oh, wow. So. Well, there you go. I mean, the I allure was vaguely of, of aware Donald of what was Trump happening. But... Was just so much huh? for you. The allure of watching Donald Trump versus Lashley. I I, I missed that one because that was WrestleMania 23. Oh, here I thought it was 25. Okay. No. Anyway. We get into the Boys Choir of Harlem, and they show shots of American flags and firefighters and families and apple pies and baseballs and all kinds of American stuff. The intro package is all about past WrestleMania moments, so they've definitely, like, I don't know if they're changing this on the WWE Network, because this is like the third year in a row 
where they've just hyped. I mean, especially, you know, WrestleMania 20. Obviously, you're hitting a milestone. Um, I think they, I, I seem to remember, like, because I have this one on DVD, or I rented it on DVD or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have it right now. But I saw this on DVD, and they definitely made a big deal out of it being the 20th WrestleMania. Yeah. And this was starting with Vince McMahon walking in and going, one man changed everything. It was me. (laughs) It was me, audience. It was me all along. Um, And then they just, you know, they play up the moments that we've seen numerous times while watching these WrestleManias. But again, it's like the third year where it's just like, here's some shots of past WrestleMania events. And now we've got like Shawn... Michaels, Eddie Guerrero, Rock, Brock, John Cena, Ric Flair, Benoit, Mick Foley. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about John Cena. Uh, we will. Uh, all talk about, you we'll, know, what it means yeah, to we'll be talk at about WrestleMania. Yeah, we'll in just a minute. Yeah. Where, you know, so they all say, oh, it's great to be at WrestleMania. Rock said his family's going to be there and, you know, this and that. And finally they go, it's where it all begins again. And then Shane walks into frame holding his firstborn son, Declan James, who is still a infant, he was born probably like two weeks if that. He was born in March, early March. So he was still a uh, you know relatively new child to the to the world. But uh, here we all thought, man. I mean, I remember I'm thinking back then, like, ah, oh, this is it, Shane. You know, this is what's gonna happen. Shane's gonna inherit the WWF. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. Kind of cool way to like, oh yeah, that, that, that's me. Yeah, I I made my debut at WrestleMania 20 as a as a you know two week old child. And then he came back for WrestleMania 33. Yes. God, dancing so. with his dad. Yep. So we start off the event with the U.S. Championship, which has been introduced over on SmackDown. We have John Cena. The Eminem of the WWE. Word life. This is basic thugonomics. Ba- ba- I'm untouchable, ba- but I'm forcing you to feel me. Yes. Like Me Too movement for John Cena. Probably. Um, but he, like that song, if you listen to it, it's all about like The Undertaker. It's all about what? You kind of broke up there. Oh, it's all about The Undertaker? Really? Well, yeah, like at the end, it's like, yeah, this is the new Dead Man Inc. Oh. And I'm about to make you famous. And I'm like, oh, God. That's <laughs> it's funny. Like, that doesn't age well. No. Um, so, yeah, John Cena. Uh, I don't know if you call him a newcomer. I mean, like, we obviously he debuted He's been after. around for a couple of years at this point. He, he debuted shortly. He debuted around... I want to say in 2003, like midway through that year. And he was one of the... uh, I remember his debut because it was Kurt Angle challenging anybody. And he came out from the audience. No, he came out from backstage. Was it backstage? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, ruthless aggression. And then headbutted Kurt Angle, which was kind of cool. Yeah. So, he's a rapper, and yeah, I I remember liking John Cena at the time. I remember the parking lot brawl that him and Eddie Guerrero have later on in the year. Yeah, he seems he he 
did do some pretty cool things uh, as around this time. But before he became this rapper, he was actually set to be released. Yeah. Because, uh, because the story goes. Yeah, the story goes. You know, when they have the Halloween episodes, everyone dresses up, and he dressed up as Vanilla Ice. And he was rapping, and Stephanie McMahon was like, huh, this is something. Which, I mean, I, I, I don't know how much I want to believe. I mean, it sounds like a good story, though. Oh, I was on the bubble. I was about to probably be released because I wasn't going anywhere. And then this show happened. I mean, I, I don't well, if you I look don't know. Well, if you look at his pay-per-view record at the time, or his like, win-loss record at the time, he was always on pay-per-view, which is... Like, not necessarily a sign that you're doing well. Yeah. No, I remember he, he was, was just, like, he was very vanilla. Well, he wore, like, these weird tights, and mm-hmm. he had this weird, goofy haircut, and he basically lost to everybody except Chris Jericho, and that was because if you read Jericho's book, Jericho said, I like this guy, I want to lose to him, and then he just went back to losing the very next day like you know what just just Smackdown hearing that thing. reminds me of the whole fandango thing hmm i could see chris jericho saying i want to lose this guy at wrestlemania because i think he's gonna be make it big and then they're like yeah you, you know what i mean anyway right well yeah i mean it's it's weird because it's like one is john cena and i can uh, like in hindsight, it's like, well, of course, John Cena is the biggest star in of the last decade. And then you look at, like, Fandango, who's, you know, a funny, good-working character. But, like, besides that, it's like he's not anything special. Yeah, his gimmick's trash. Yeah. Um, Michael Cole says that John Cena is the fastest-rising superstar. John Cena raps about the big show smuggling plums in his singlet. So he's itching to beat him like a penis with an STD. Ooh, edgy. Yes. He ends a chant with, WrestleMania, say it loud. The big show sucks. And they lightly chant. Uh, this is John Cena's first WrestleMania. Show is punched by Cena, but show throws Cena out of the ring. Cena we ch- should actually talk about the big show for just a second. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. The big show here is absolutely enormous. He is. He is, I, they, they're they saying that he is like 500-something pounds. He must be closer to 700. Uh, because if you look at the belt. It doesn't fit around him. Like, no, no it, when it, it's on his shoulder, it looks like it's a toy. And when John Cena holds it up, it's a normal belt. He is humongous at this point. And I should note that this is. I think this is his last WrestleMania for a few years. He takes some time off. Okay. I could... I don't know. He's got the long hair. Just... To me, it feels like he didn't care. I'm not saying this matters a bad match or anything, but just... I don't know. Oh, you know what? It's not his last WrestleMania. He takes a couple of... He takes some time off a little later because he goes to ECW after this. Oh, jeez. Yeah. But he looks like he's about to die, anyway. Oh, God, yeah. It's just amazing. I feel bad for him because in the last year or two, he did that big body transformation where he was just... I mean, I hope he's still jacked. We haven't seen him on TV in forever. 
but I hope he's still keeping healthy and you know doing. What I think he's he, do. I think he is. I think like if you hear him talk about it, he's like, oh, he was so like. Yeah, I remember listening to the Jericho podcast. He's just like I wasn't taking care of myself, and I was smoking all the time, and I just wasn't feeling well. And then I'd lose all this weight, and then I'd just go back on out on the road, and then I'd make bad decisions. Yep. And it really took me a lot of time to really learn about how to make my body healthy. Yeah. But you know, it it happens to everybody, and so no, definitely, it's good on him to actually be doing that. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Show throws Cena out of the ring. Cena tries to crossbody block, but Show catches him and slams him for a two count. Show hits a huge, uh, big boot that, like, the Taz and stuff, like, just, oh, wow, oh, my God, that big boot. Took Cena's head off. Uh, he then hits the final cut on John Cena, but Cena's able to get a, uh, kick out. Cena's then able to get the sleeper on the big show as he rides him. But he's quickly knocked off by slamming him into the corner and then hits another big clothesline for good measure. Show then puts Cena into a Cobra Clutch. A Cobra Clutch. An homage to uh, Sergeant Slaughter, who got introduced the night before at the Hall of Fame. We'll get more into that later. Cena then starts coming back with punches, hits a knee block, and lifts up Big Show and hits an FU. And Big Show kicks out at two. This being the first time anybody's kicked out of the FU. Um, <clears throat> John Cena gets his chain. So John Cena wears a chain to the ring with a master lock on it to make it a chain. He picks the chain up, wraps around his his fists, but Jimmy Carderas stops Cena. So Cena throws the chain across the ring, and Jimmy Carderas runs after it like a puppy dog, getting a chew toy. And this allows John Cena to get the knucks that he wore. Uh, during his entrance, he hits Big Show in the head with the knuck, hits another FU for the win, your new U.S. champion, John Cena. Uh, they play it up like, you know, this is a great moment for John Cena. This is his first title victory in the WWE. And, uh, yeah, big things are happening for a young John Cena. <clears throat> yes, I mean, it, it's cool that he won the U.S. title, and he does a lot of really good things with the U.S. title. I remember... Also around this time, he has this uh, seven-match uh, series with Booker T. Oh, yeah. On SmackDown. Mm-hmm. That was really good. And he just does a lot of really good things with the U.S. title. Like, he wins it and loses it a couple times this year. And, uh, you know, he just he just made it a big deal so that... And that spot lifting up John, uh, Big Show it was really impressive. It is really impressive. It's just everything else about this match was kind of bleh yeah, because like Big the Show last... couldn't. Sorry, uh, yeah, you're right. I was just the gonna big... say that Big Big Show really couldn't do a whole lot. Yeah, he just kind of was like, oh, I'll do a couple power spots, cool. Um, yeah, this match wasn't terrible, but I mean, it wasn't as good as uh, last couple of years worth of openers, where they've been kind of fast paced, kind of set the tone. Um, yeah, where's the where's the cruiserweight championship? Oh God, we'll get into that. What a clusterfuck. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'd give the match probably a one and a half, two stars, mutt tops. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It was. It was very much a hey, check John Cena out. Like put him over. Yeah. Coach is dressed in a suit. 
and he greets various people. I was curious, why is everyone so happy to see Coach? I don't know, because Coach sucks. Yeah, he walks in a suit and says, like, hey, brother, what's up, man? Everyone's like, oh, my God, it's Coach. Oh. And it's like, well, what, may, what did Coach do? And then he just goes, was, to, he, oh, go ahead. was he gone and he came back for WrestleMania? Because, like, oh, that's the only I thing know, I can think of. Because I know that he thinks that he's actually a sportscaster, and I know that he went to ESPN for several years, so yeah. technically he is. But maybe he went away and then he came back. That's the only thing I could think of. Otherwise, other than maybe, like Vince just paid them to look very happy to see the coach. I guess, yeah. I mean, Teddy Long, our only, uh, our only <laughs> shot of Teddy Long was him, jewfully, you know, high fiving or something. Oh, uh, you later, player. Yeah, like what? Just when are you guys friends? <laughs> anyway. Uh, after all that, he enters Eric Bischoff's office. Eric tells Coach to go find The Undertaker. That people are hearing eerie noises and spooky stuff is going on. But who or else is with Eric Bischoff? Johnny fucking Nitro. John Morrison. A.K.A. Johnny Thunder. Johnny Impact. Um, Johnny Boone, Mundo. the Bounty Hunter. Johnny Mundo. And, um, yeah, and the man of many names. John Hennigan. There you go. His real name. Yes. We then cut to Randy Orton, who was with Batista and Ric Flair, and they're standing in a stairwell. And Orton says, this is where he kicked the hardcore legend, Mick Foley, down the stairs. And they show a replay of him getting kicked down the stairs. They then show Orton spitting in the face of Foley. Orton continues to run down Foley. And he says, after all the beatings, Mick Foley had to call The Rock. He had to call Hollywood. And now, both Rock and Foley are going to get beat at WrestleMania. Even though they got like beat constantly. Even in the Raw before, they got beat down by Evolution. But yeah, I, I really like well, this. Had, yeah, I mean, they, it was obvious at this point that Randy Orton was going to be the next big thing. Oh, definitely. And I, I, I really like this because like it brought me up to speed. You know, as a viewer of like, hey, if I just watch this WrestleMania, I now know the whole story behind, you know, why they're fighting. I have to say that this is probably the best promo that Randy Orton has ever done. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't remember a lot of like, I don't remember a lot of Orton promos, but yeah, he could talk. Well, I mean, he can talk, but it's more, it's more like. Well, I'm gonna RKO your ass, like he. Oh yeah, he nowadays it's just like. I've been around in the WWE for 15 years. I've done it all. I've I'm a veteran. I'm I don't a... do flips. I don't do flippy shit. Or get that flippy shit out of here. Yeah. Put on a headlock like me. Yes. I'm also very orange. What? Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, he, yeah, is. he is very orange. But no, I just think that this is like he was pretty passionate and he had any like this was his first big chance at wrestlemania to really show yeah what he can do and it looked like he was taking this pretty seriously yeah i'm surprised rick flair didn't say anything or batista no this was was a complete showcase for orton yeah yeah next up we have the sudden death fatal four-way for the wwe tag team championships 
We have La Resistance, uh, consisting of Rene Dupree, the guy who looked the Miz from last year's WrestleMania. Who was no, the... that was Sylvain Grenier. Oh, whatever. Fine. <laughs> God, that's all I remember. So we got uh, Mark Jindrak and Garrison Cade. Jindrak coming from WCW. Garrison Cade, rest in peace. Coming from Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Yeah, Cade is gone, isn't he? He's dead, yes. Oh, man, so sad. He died at the age of 29 from a heart attack. Oh, yeah, that's right. Versus the Dully Boys versus Booker T and RVD are the champions. And I never realized, or I just completely forgot... Booker T's and RVD's theme song. Wasn't it just like... Can you dig it? One of a kind. Can you dig it? Like, what? Although it's better work than what they do now. They they could just combine themes sometimes for certain wrestlers. Yeah, now they just freaking like, hey, we'll play seconds, six seconds of your music, and then we'll turn that down and play the other person's music for six seconds and repeat. Yeah, at least back then, at least this time, they actually tried. It actually sounded okay. I just completely forgot the fact that, that they had this remix. Well, I think it's because they had Jim Johnston back then. And I don't think CFO dollar sign can really do what Jim Johnston can do yeah, by himself. Know. I don't know. So, uh, this match is basically two people start in the ring, and you got all four teams, and you can tag anybody in, and it turns into a clusterfuck, and we'll get into it. So, RVD and Rene Dupree. Say that four times fast. Uh, start off, there's a monkey flip to start on RVD, but it doesn't do much as Booker T is quickly tagged in. He hits a catapult for uh, to a super kick for a two. Bubba isn't tagged in. Bubba gets the better of Booker T early as the crowd starts a We Want Tables chant. A tilt-a-whirl slam for a two on Booker T. Somehow Mark Jindrick then is tagged in during a free-for-all where all all the teams are just battling each other at once. Booker is now being double-teamed by Law Resistance and Jindrak, and and Garrison's corner finally gets a double arm stretch with a knee to the back, which slows things down for a while. Five years later, Booker T gets out of the hold, and he hits a spine buster, and he slowly starts to roll towards RVD, and then eventually gets the tag. RVD takes out both of the heel teams, with spin kicks, throwing people out of the ring, and it even goes after the Dully Boys. Cade is then uh, hitting spin kicks. Uh, sorry, Cade is in the middle of the. Uh, was it? Cade is in the middle of the rope. Oh, in the middle of the ring, uh, out of the blue, RVD hits, goes for a five-star frog splash, but Devon throws him off the top rope, and then is deemed. And somehow that is deemed a ta- a, a tag. Because he, like, threw him off the top. He, like, pushed him. And apparently that's a tag. Because then Devon is in. Booker T ends up in the ring after the brawl. And hits a slapjack. As Bubba is attacked during the 3D. It was kind of it was kind of funny where they go to give Booker T a 3D. But in the middle, as they lift him up, where Bubba was going to catch him, uh, Bubba was, like, pushed out of the way. And Booker T just falls on his face. Booker T and Garrison Cade are eventually called the legal men uh, of the match. 
RVD hits a five-star frog splash and somehow it's a legal man and picks up the win. I am very confused, I wrote. Booker T and Yeah, no, RVD. this match was a complete mess because it's like, at this point, the the tag team scene, which had been so hot just a few years ago, was a complete mess because all of those tag team stars are now singles wrestlers. Yep. Except for the Dudley boys. And it's just... It's just tag teams that nobody cares about. At this point, there has been two versions of La Resistance, and this is the second version. What was the first one? It was Sylvain Grenier and Rene Dupree, and this one is Rene Dupree and Rob Conway. Oh, why did I write down Rene Dupree then? It is, well, no, Rene Dupree was in this version. The first oh, version was, was Rob was Conway. At, no. Well, no. No, it was Sylvain Grenier and Rene Dupree. And this version is Rene Dupree and Rob Conway. Are they a trios team? No, Sylvain Grenier is doing something else. Oh, okay. Here I thought I was yeah. like, wait a minute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, no. See, that's why like everybody's like, weird. Also, just to point out, Rob Conway, former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Oh, wow. And I know it's a really terrible gimmick. Like, I don't know if it's later in the year or the next year, where he's like, where hot he's just stuff. With like a ladies' man, and yeah. he has the, and he has the uh, what's his name, uh, Randy Newman theme song. <laughs> um, I'm a ladies' man. I look in a mirror. And Garrison Cade is really young here. He's like, I think, like 21 years old. Like he's really, really young. And it's, this isn't even his most famous gimmick because he ends up have, being in a much better tag team a couple of years later Yep. with uh, tre- with Trevor Murdoch. Yep. And Booker T and Rob Van Dam were kind of just thrown together on mm-hmm. Raw because they do. Yeah, because that's what WWE does. Um, and, the Dudley, and the Dudley boys are newly formed back together after having been split in the brand split. Oh, uh, yeah. It's really tried bringing single star and... And Devon was a Christian minister who took a, the money. Yes, he was Reverend Devon, and he gave us Batista. So that's the only good thing that came out of that. Yes, and Bubba was Bubba without Devon, and it was weird. Yes, although he did get to challenge Triple H for the World Heavyweight Championship. So There you go, all in all. So yeah, I was very confused by this match. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was a lot of quick stuff happening, but... <laughs> I was just like, by the end of the match, I'm just like, what the heck's going on here? Like, they're just fighting, and it's just like, oh, okay, pain happened, bye. I I think when you have multi-team tag team matches, like more than two, they should just do lucha rules for for those, which is if somebody goes, if one of your teammates goes out of the ring, you can just jump in over the top rope, and then you're the legal man. It makes things a lot less confusing. Yeah, so even Jim Ross and King were... It's like, uh, okay. Well, at this point, they're starting to wane in their uh, good teamness. Yes. The two of them. Yeah, I could definitely tell later on. I'll, we'll talk about it. So, Coach is then shown in the back. He finds a production assistant who says, there is freakish noises coming from a, from a door. Behind a door. You hear women's voices and men's voices. And slowly... Coach opens the door, and out pops Mean Gene, and he comes out with no pants on. 
and you see a big lipstick kiss on his lips on his forehead. And then Bobby Heenan just falls out. And he has lipstick face, lips and kisses all his forehead. And Coach is like, uh, what's, uh, what's going on, guys? And he's like, oh, we're uh, playing cards. We're busy. We're, no, we're playing poker. Yeah, poker. And then Moolah and Mae Young come out, and they start making out with each other. Ah! Yes, was, was, all I wrote was, it's, it's old. It's old you people love, and yes. Vince probably thought that this was really funny. Goddamn, And hell. to be fair. It was. And to be fair. To be fair, Bobby Heenan and Mean Gene do make this kind of funny, but like it's Moolah and May, so uh, yeah. You know. I wrote it. Well, especially because especially because like May was a lesbian, so like this is kind of strange. And then Moolah is just a terrible person, and I just wish they wouldn't put her on television. Well, you got your wish because all four of these people have passed away in the last in the last time. Well. I don't want anybody to die. I just didn't want Moolah on television. A terrible person. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, anyway, yeah, like I said, all four people have, uh, sadly have since passed away, the last being Mean Gene um, and Bobby Heenan most recently. Um, no, I, I thought it was kind of funny. You get them on, you know, get them on there for a few seconds. I just think it's funny that like they're like 80s something and they're all like, well, the women were like eighty, but Mean Gene and and Bobby were like in their sixties. Yeah. So it's like you really couldn't do better for yourselves, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Now we That's go to another. A love triangle has evolved involving Chris Jericho, Christian, and Trish, and certainly tonight it will be about former best friends and a woman. This match is personal about relationships that have gone bad. I have to tell you, I know this whole thing started off as a bet, okay? I know it was one big joke. I can nail Trish before you nailed Lita. Is that so? That's so. Well, I got one dollar. Canadian says that you're wrong. But the joke was on me, Trish, because somewhere along the way, I really fell for you. All we were talking about, the feelings that we had, the moments that we shared. I don't think I've ever felt like this before. I can't stop thinking about you. Night and day. All the time. I can't stop thinking about you no matter what I do. I don't want that to stop. They're all real for me, Trish. And I don't blame you if, if you never want to talk to me again. I don't blame you if you don't believe me. I was a total jerk and I apologize so much, Trish. I just want to be a part of your life. Where the hell is your head? Oh, come on. You've been showing all this affection to Trish, and you've been getting nothing, absolutely nothing in return. I think we can have a good relationship. So we can be like really close friends. I'm not saying this to hurt your feelings. I'm saying this because I'm your best friend. Trish does not care about you. She doesn't care about you. Good news is, Trish, he feels the exact same way about you. You're the last thing on his mind. That is what you wanted, right? But I figured, you know, since you and Chris are just friends. There's no reason why the three of us can't have a healthy relationship, you know? I'm gonna give her this rose as a happy belated Valentine's present, and I'm gonna tell her how I really feel. Trish, you look really good tonight. I think you might be making a mistake, all right? I mean, really? Yeah, I mean, who, who's to say that Trish isn't interested in somebody else? I think Trish is interested in somebody else. I, I, I don't know, I'm just saying. I'm gonna tell Trish how I really feel. I wanna be more than just friends. Wanna know something? Chris Jericho is no friend of mine, so I've got an idea for you. Jericho is watching. It will be Christian, Jericho's best friend, against Trish in this intergender match. I'll lay down, 
and you just cover me. One, two, three, and that's it. It's that easy, okay? And there's the cover, and I guess it's going to be over that elementary. Christian kicked out pretty aggressively. The last thing I want to do is hurt you, okay? Look at, whoa! Good God almighty! What the hell? I don't think that this should be in any way a competitive match, all right? I think we both know what happened. Look at this! What the hell now? Wait a minute. Not the walls of Jericho! Come on, let go of her! Let go of her, damn it! He was going to lay down for her if she would lay down for him! Christian's actions tonight against this young woman are absolutely reprehensible. Now, Jericho, you're worried about your little girlfriend. I just want you to know I did this for you. Your best friend. Trish Stratus ruined your life. Trish ruined our friendship. So I had to take matters into my own on Jericho's face. Hey, he's running! He's yeah. running! And Jericho taking down Christian, his former best friend. Jericho beating the hell out of Christian here. You better get out of there, Christian! Christian deciding that he didn't want to stay and fight tonight. I can't believe they're going to fight at WrestleMania. Chris Jericho and Christian make a $1 bet. Canadian. The Jericho bets... I think it was Jericho or Christian bet that Jericho could not nail Trish before Christian could nail Lita. Yeah, so this storyline's gross. So stupid. I was so confused. Jericho then really falls in love with Trish, and Christian is interested in Trish, and then there's a three-way relationship that occurs. Oh, and Jericho and Christian are apparently best friends in all this. Like, what? Christian and yeah, Trish... Yeah, they, they've, they've been like best friends for a couple of years now because they were both heels and they were a tag team and they fought over the Intercontinental Championship. It's it's kind of confusing. Yeah. So Christian and Trish are put into a match by Eric Bischoff and Christian beats the hell out of Trish Stratus. He says that Trish ruined their friendship and that Chris Jericho had to, or Christian had to give Chris Jericho tough love. So yeah, now they're fighting over Trish. And Lita was nowhere to be seen in any of this. No, she had her own problems to deal with. True. Christian versus Chris Jericho. Both men lock up, and Jericho slaps Christian, and then rains down punches on him. A back suplex on Christian, and then a follow-up clothesline. Christian is a back body drop to the outside of the ring to the floor. A big Y2J jant breaks out. Jericho hits a flying clothesline to the outside, hitting Christian. Christian then tries for a sunset flip, but Jericho turns it into a pinfall, but he only gets a two. Jericho isn't thrown out of the ring by Christian backwards. That was a pretty crazy spot. He had to like went to do a back body drop and just kind of fell out of the ring. Jericho isn't thrown back in the ring and choked in the, with the middle rope with Christian standing on his back. I always find that spot really interesting. It always looks a lot worse than it really is. Um, that's the that's the that's the mark of a good spot though. That if it looks terrible. Like, it looks like it's very painful, but it's not. Then it's a good spot. No, I agree. Christian hits a move using Jericho's hair. He then, like, throws the hair in the air. A reverse chin lock by Christian slows things down. But that doesn't last that long as Christian comes back with a spin kick to Jericho to take him down. Jericho starts to build momentum, hitting a running insiguri for a two count. 
several pin attempts by both men. They only get two counts. Christian then hits an unprettier on Jericho, but Jericho kicks out for a near fall. Jericho tries for a superplex, but Christian blocks it, sending Jericho face first towards the mat. Christian hits a flying cross body block, but Jericho rolls through for a two count. Christian puts Jericho in the Texas Cloverleaf in the middle of the ring. Jericho is able to pull that into a small package, but Jericho rolls through and applies the walls of Jericho. But Christian is too close to the ropes and he easily grabs him. Christian and Jericho follow the ring together and with Jericho still holding the walls of Jericho. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, but they eventually let's go as both men crawl to the top rope. Jericho hits a double superplex. Oh, sorry, double arm superplex. Jericho's holding his knee as Jericho tries for a pin, but Christian kicks out. Trish Stratus eventually runs down to ringside. Uh, Christian hits a huge spike DDT out of nowhere for a near fall on Jericho. Christian is up on the ring apron, and Christian drags her in by the hair, and he throws her into the turnbuckle. Jericho then goes to check on Trish, and she pushes Jericho away or slaps him or something. And that allows Christian to roll up Jericho, and, and he picks up the win. One, two, three. So before we get into the aftermaths of the match, what do you think of the match overall? I think this match is excellent. These two work so well together, and they were given enough time to actually tell a pretty good story. And I just really, really like this match. Yeah, I mean, I saw this on the card, and I was like, oh, shit. This should be pretty good. And it was. I think Christian is a really under... Um, Undervalued or undervalued. No, you said it right before. Undervalued talent. He, this is like his last WrestleMania for a while. Or no, he goes. He goes. He's there next year, but he like he leaves shortly after this for TNA. I thought it was a little later because I thought it was in the first Money in the Bank. Well, yeah, which is next year. Oh, you're right. You're right. So after the match. Trish and Jericho talk. Christian tries to attack again, but Trish holds Jericho, but then slaps him twice in the face, which allows uh, Christian to hit the unprettier. Trish has turned heel and joined Christian. Jim Ross is confused, and so is Jerry Lawler. They then make out in front of Jericho. I think everybody was confused by this because it made no fucking sense. Like, why? Why? Just why? Uh, apparently okay so the best that i can do and this is like not good but whatever the best that i can do is that trish actually since she was in in the thrall of vince mcmahon has developed something where she likes men who do not treat her very well therefore she goes with christian who beat her up a couple weeks ago that's the only thing i can think of Oh, how'd you meet your new husband or your new boyfriend? Oh, yeah, he, uh, we had to fight in a wrestling match, and he put me in. It was into a Texas cloverleaf and the walls of Jericho, and it hurt, and I just knew then he was the one as he was throwing me around by my hair. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, know. like I, like I said, it, it's it's not a good thing. But that's like the thing that I could do to make any sort of mental sense out of it. Because you're right, it kind of comes out of nowhere. It's a swerve. It's shocking. Something that Vince Russo would have thought up. And if I knew that he wasn't, if and if I knew that he wasn't working DNA at the time, I'd say it's something that he wrote. But yeah, no, this just didn't make sense. Because 
Like, even before this, Trisha's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, oh, man. Yeah. And then, like, like I said, I don't like this storyline because it's it's gross and it objectifies women, but. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I don't. I don't know. I just thought it was really anticlimactic. Just like, what the fuck? Anyway, moving on. Mick Foley's in the back with Lillian Garcia. Her small stint as a back role backstage consultant. Uh, yes, because I think this was the time where they had uh, Fink was doing, yes. he was still doing a couple things, and they had uh, uh, Tony Chimble on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. And so she just, they wanted to keep her around for some reason. Yep. She asked what's going on in Mick Foley's mind, now that this is his first WrestleMania in four years. Rock then interrupts Mick Foley. Rock says his catchphrases. Rock is super happy for Foley that he is home. Rock then starts walking around the back and brings a camera crew with him. He runs into Rosie and Hurricane, and he calls Rosie the Hamburglar. And, like, they have, like, a hamburger, and, like, Rosie hides it? I, I don't know what this was. Well, it's because he's fat, I know, see. I know, but still. At least he didn't call him shit. That is true. Uh, he then sees Don Morocco and Jimmy Snuka, who I was like, fuck, get these people off my damn TV. Fuck Jimmy Snuka. Oh, yeah, yeah, look, it's a murderer and an old And a what? Uh, a murderer and an old guy. Yes. Rock then goes out to the crowd and says, there they are. They're going to beat up Evolution in front of everybody if you smell what the Rock is cooking. And then he goes, wait, and if you smell what the Rock, he has a microphone to fully, and Sock is cooking. Anyway, so there's that. So, we go on... I thought it was a pretty good promo. Yeah, Rock was very jubilant. I don't know. And it was weird because he's, like, he's half... Like, he looks a lot different a year removed from the WWE. Yes. He had the tattoo at WrestleMania 19, but he's he's more muscular, but he's also more lean now. He's kind of, like, halfway between his full Hollywood transformation where he's like super jacked all the time for some reason mm-hmm. and his time where he was a bit bulkier and, and smoother in the WWF. Yeah. So that leads back into, uh, to our three on two handicap match evolution consisting of Batista, Ric Flair and Randy Orton versus the rock and sock connection rock and Foley evolution beat up both rock and Foley, but rock and Foley's then end up standing tall. We start off with rock and Flair officially now. Rock mocks Flair's strut. Rock hits him with a back body drop uh, on Flair. They end up on the outside. Flair takes a back body drop to the mats, which was insane. Don't know why he did that spot. Foley then hits an elbow drop off the apron to Flair. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, like, this is around the time that... uh... Flair just did crazy bumps occasionally in, in big matches. And it's like, dude, you're like really old at this point and probably frail. You don't need to do that. Yeah. Everybody's going to treat you well in this match. Yeah. No one's clamoring. In, in any for... match that you're in, nobody's going to hurt you. So, like, don't do anything stupid and you're going to like extend your career even longer. But no, he would just be like, throw me to the floor, superplex me off this ladder, Matt Hardy. Yes. We'll get to that. Oh, man. But yeah, like, yeah, man, this match was good, but uh, I just don't like it because I didn't see Ric Flair, you know, almost break his hip. 
Um, Foley isn't tagged in. Orton runs away, but Foley catches up and slams Orton's face into the announce table. Foley hits a running elbow on Orton for a two count. Orton is put in the tree of woe and Rock is tagged in. And he hits another running elbow to drop to Orton. Rock then punches Orton in the balls. And then a clothesline by the Rock. Batista lowers the top rope and Orton sends Rocket to the outside where Batista and Orton tag team beating up the Rock while uh, Ric Flair distracts the ref. Batista gets in the uh, gets the tag and then beats down the Rock. Flair then hits a, hits a bunch of knife-edge chops on the Rock and the crowd loudly woos. Fly, uh, Flair climbs to the top rope and a Rock throws Flair off and Lair, Lawler says that Ric Flair is 0 for 3,000 for that top rope spot. Batista comes in and continues to beat down The Rock. So Evolution's getting the heat right now. Rock then gets a desperation clothesline. And then Foley is tagged in. He hits a high knee and tries for a DDT on Batista. But Foley is overpowered in the corner by Batista. Foley reverses with a ton of punches. But Batista comes back with a huge clothesline sending Foley to the outside. Foley is then thrown out and and Batista distracts. The ref, as Flair and Orton beat the hell out of Foley on the floor, slamming him, slamming him knees first into the steel steps. Orton is then tagged in as Foley is thrown back into the ring. Orton beats down on Foley for a while. Foley's beaten down by Evolution for a while. He hits a desperation swinging neck breaker. And Batista and Foley hit double clotheslines with Batista who ta- tags in Flair, but Foley can't tag in The Rock. The Rock is then finally tagged in. And then he explodes on the members of Evolution. Orton is thrown over the top rope. Batista quickly puts a rock, uh, put, puts rock in his place, though, with a huge spine buster. Flair then begs Batista to let him finish the match. Flair does a mock strut, people's version of the people's elbow, but he takes too long, and Rock nips up and beats the hell out of Flair. Batista then hits a spine buster on Flair, or on Rock, and then... Hits, oh sorry, uh, he hits a spine buster on Flair, Rock does, and then hits the real people's elbow. He finishes with the Flair strut before hitting the elbow. Rock covers Flair, but Flair kicks out. And then he hits a rock bottom on Orton, but Flair pulls a rock out of the ring to stop the count. Flair grabs a steel chair as Batista comes in and hits a sit-down powerbomb on the rock in the middle of the ring. As Orton slowly starts to crawl, he covers the rock, but the rock kicks out. Foley comes in, hits a double-arm DDT on Orton. He puts Mr. Socko on, but Randy Orton comes out of nowhere, hits an RKO, and pins Foley for the win. Um, after the match, Rock looks angry, but eventually they shake hands and hug. I loved The Rock and Ric Flair in this match. Yeah, because they they just were goofing off and, like... That, it felt like you were seeing something special. You'd never seen Rock versus Ric Flair in a one-on-one. Yeah, but it was clear that they were having fun with each other. Yes. Which is which, was, which is what made it so special and, 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 and cool to see. And then you had uh, Mick Foley's thing with uh, Orton. Um, Orton. And Batista got to... Batista Dude. bomb the rock which is like for him that's like a great big uh boost like yeah. he got to do his his big moves to the rock it didn't beat him but he like got to do his his things it was cool it, yeah. this was a pretty good match i 
I I've seen WrestleMania 20. I want to say probably four times, mm-hmm. all like in 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 completion, like four times. I've watched certain matches here and there a, a few more times than that. Oh wow! I don't. Rem- this is not one of the matches that I like go out and seek. But when I was watching it this time, I was just I was having a lot of fun with it because, and I think it's mostly to do with. The Rock and and Ric Flair because they just they obviously just really wanted to work with each other. Yeah, no, I really liked it. Um, again, this tag thing of like Orton getting the like, I don't remember them getting any tagged in. The or, the ending just kind of happens, but obviously it sets up for the next month. So whatever. Right. I mean, they have to they have to extend this because if. I, I personally, I think that if they had done the Orton McFoley hardcore match here, mm-hmm. it may have made a bit more sense. Like they have this match at like Survivor Series, yeah, and then do, and then have the that absolute killer of a match that they do at Backlash here. It probably would have made a bit more sense personally because WrestleMania is supposed to be the end of all of these uh, storylines. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it's because they could get the Rock. Backlash. I think it's because they had the Rock and they need to do something with them. Yeah, so. I mean, I don't think the Rock was going to come back from Hollywood for anything less than a WrestleMania main event, quote-unquote. So, we go uh, to uh, Mean Gene, who's in the ring. He introduces the Hall of Fame package plays. He introduces all 11 people in the Hall of Fame. So as I was watching this, I was like, man, they are just blowing their load. Like, you think now they can barely get three or four people, it seems like. Well, people of note, but here's the thing. With the Hall of Fame, they had to establish it as something that people actually wanted to be in. So that's why they have all these great big names in it for the first couple of years. Mm -hmm. Next year... Uh, the way that they do it, I think was interesting. And I would have thought that if they could have continued that trend of doing what they did next year all the way through, that would have been really cool, but they didn't end up doing that. What is it they do? Uh, So since it was WrestleMania 21 and it was the 20 year anniversary of the first WrestleMania, they do everybody who is a major part of WrestleMania one. Oh, gotcha. So, like, Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, all those guys go in next year. Ah, gotcha. Cool. Um, Any notable Hall of Famers you enjoyed seeing go in, or? Well, I think, like, Bobby Heenan and uh, me, and, um, was Mean Gene here as one of the people? No, he was the, he was just announcing. Okay, so, Bobby Heenan, definitely Harley Race. Like, just, like, if you have a Hall of Fame and you don't, a wrestling Hall of Fame and Harley Race isn't in it, that seems to me to be one that's, like, lacking because he's so integral to the NWA. Um, but there's a, there's a few people here that are, like, interesting. Um, like, Pete Rose, we don't necessarily need. Yeah. Uh, Junkyard Dog is interesting because even though he was big in WWE, as we discussed during our podcasts here, we didn't really like his work that much yeah. in the WWE, but he was big in Memphis. Uh, superstar Billy Graham, I think it's an interesting because 
he has this on again, off again relationship with the WWE. And this is one of the times where he had an on relationship with them. Yep. And then a couple of years later, he like pawned off his hall of fame ring so he could get like dialysis or something. Yeah. Sad. It is. All right. Definitely. We go to the playboy evening gown match. So Sable and Tori Wilson are playboy playmates, I guess now they do that. Covered shot. To, I don't fucking know. They well, own... okay. So Sable and Tori Wilson have both been not only cover models, but they've had actual full-on spreads within Playboy. Uh, Sable's was, I think, in like 1999. Yeah. And, and Tori Wilson's was like probably right around this time. Yeah. I think it was two. No, and... it was last year. I think it was last year. 2003-ish, 2002, I don't know. Yeah, anyway. And and this is a thing that the WWE would do with certain members of their uh, diva, quote-unquote, roster. Because, like, Ashley Massaro, uh, who recently passed away, was a Playboy Playmate. Um, So wasn't uh, Christy Hemme. There there have been several. Christy Hemme, and the last one was... um, Not Christy, but... um... Uh, what's her husband? Uh, Maria. Oh, yes. Maria. Was she? Yeah. Okay. Just just from like the way that Maria talks about women's wrestling, I wouldn't think that she would be one of the ones who would have done it. But I think she was. Um, yeah, it was. 2004. Oh, sorry, 2008. Oh, okay. Yeah, 2008. So, I was sad that Stacey Keebler never was in there. She, uh, she I'm just sad it. that they've all that all these women have done it because. Hey, at the at, well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's their decision. It's I mean, yeah, no, it's their decision. It just like it's it's not my it I it's not my thing. I'll I mean, teach their own. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big like playboy guy either but i mean hey i mean these girls did it because they wanted to do it it's not like i mean i'm assuming well yeah well yes they did want to do it but they were also paid a lot to do it as well and it's hard to say no to that i mean hey whatever whatever they want to do they're adults yeah yeah so all right so we got sable and tori and miss jackie and stacy keebler Miss Jackie being Jackie Gata. Oh, yes. It's not actually the good Miss Jackie. Or I shouldn't say the good Miss Jackie, but like Jacqueline sometimes went by Miss Jackie, too. And she can wrestle. Jackie Gata, unfortunately, never got very good in the ring. Sable says that she is feeling restricted and says that her and Tori want to start the match with their evening gowns off. Taz and Cole are super excited, and it was disgusting. Everyone strips, but Jackie refuses to strip. Everyone boos. Tori and Sable immediately strip Jackie, and the bell rings. Sable hits kicks in the corner. Tori hits a flying crossbody block for a two-count. Stacy is tagged in. Stacy hits a cartwheel, and Tori just kicks her in the stomach. That was kind of funny. Stacy gets a choke in the corner with her long legs. She had several pinfall variations for two. 
Uh, Jackie isn't tagged back in, and the girls cat fight. They roll over the top of Jack Doan while Michael Cole and Taz are like, Oh, I got I wish I was Jack Doan. Oh, my lucky him. Jackie gets a roll-up, but Tori rolls through and picks up the win for a pinfall. After the match, she, like, refuses to, like, get up off of her and, like, start trying to rip her panties off. I was like, what the fuck's going on? <sighs> Gross. Eh, whatever. Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit in the back. Eddie Guerrero says that no matter what, he'll be proud of Benoit. He says that nobody expects him to win anyway. <laughs> Facing Triple H and HBK. Benoit frankly gets angry and says he believes in himself. And it's a very hard moment watched. I said this was a very hard moment to watch knowing what happens in the future. Yes, especially with... Um, yeah, no, it's it's just... This WrestleMania is pretty difficult to sit through, especially the last couple of matches. Yep. We have the first ever, and I think only, for, uh, Cruiserweight Open. So I actually had to pause this and write down the rules of verbatim because I was like, what the fuck? The rules are as follows. Two superstars start in the ring. A superstar is eliminated by pinfall, submission, countout, or DQ. The order of appearance was determined through a random drawing, except the champion will be number 10. The last superstar remaining will be the W Cruiserweight Champion. Alright, the following people were in the match. We had Nunzio, Jamie Noble, Tajiri, Akio, Funaki, Shannon Moore, Ultimo Dragon, who I forgot was even in the WWE, uh, Billy Kitman, and finally, Rey Mysterio Jr., who came out like the Flash. Oh, well, we can't forget one more person. Chavo Guerrero with Chavo Sr. Because he's the champion. Yep. Ultimo Dragon and Shannon Moore starting off in the elimination match. Oh yeah, by the way, this is elimination. Ben falls attempts by both men. Shannon Moore misses a dragon screw and Ultimo Dragon hits a reverse DDT for the win. Jamie Noble is in next. Uh, Ultimo hits a fury of kicks. Ultimo tries for a moonsault but lands on his feet. Noble hits a DDT and then gets him some kind of front chokehold. I don't know what this was. Do you know? Uh, yeah, it was a uh, guillotine oh, choke. okay. They couldn't name it. They're just like, oh, some kind of choke. And I didn't know what Yeah, it was. no, it's, it's, it's funny because Taz is supposedly the MMA expert, but he can't even identify a guillotine. So Dragon then taps out. Funaki comes in and hits a flying cross body block, but Noble rolls through and eliminates Funaki. And the Taz and Cole are like, oh, that's faster than Nesty Jones. It was like a second. Nunzio then comes in. Nunzio tries for a, a small package, but he only gets a two. Nunzio then hits a huge kick, and Noble gets his foot on the rope. Nunzio is then thrown outside. Jamie Mole hits a huge senton to the outside. Nunzio gets on the apron, but Noble pulls him off underneath. The, pulls him off and gets under the ring as the ref counts nine and then ten. So this is weird. So, like, they both ended up on the outside. They're counting, and they're counting, and they're counting. Uh, Jamie Noble gets back in the ring. Or Jamie Noble, like, stops Nunzio from getting... He gets on the apron, and then pulls him off, and then gets in the ring at 9. And then he gets to 10, and it's count out. Like, I, normally when you get in the apron, I thought the count stopped. No, no. It's 
you're supposed to because technically the apron it depends on the match it depends on the match it shouldn't yeah, but that's it depends what I on the match. That meant. it's like ah oh, it just depends on this is convenient for that so whatever yeah because um the apron's technically outside the ropes generally when you're trying to break up a count you go under the bottom to break up the count yep and then, roll and then you out. can roll back out yeah so then now Kimmin climbs onto the top rope it's a springboard shooting star press taking both Noble and Nunzio out back in the ring Kitman hits a big belly uh, big body drop on Noble and then follows up with a running in Zaguri Kitman goes to the top rope but Noble climbs to the top rope hits a super K, uh, BK bomb on Jamie Noble and Noble is pinned and eliminated Ray Noble is, had a really good showing here yeah like, he did norm, like He's one of those people who you don't really remember final days of WCW, but like he he's always been a really good worker and he did like a lot of really cool stuff. And uh, I really like his run in uh, Ring of Honor as well. Hmm. Um, so. Yeah, no, this was this was pretty cool. There you go. Ray Mysterio is now in with Billy Kitman. Uh, Kitman lands a big drop uh, kick on Ray for a near fall. Ray hits a drop kick of his own, knocking Kitman out. Akio interferes as Kitman hits a spine buster for a two count on Ray. Ray then is put on the top rope by uh, Ray is put on the top rope. Mysterio then hits a top rope sunset flip that eliminates Billy Kitman. Now it's Tajiri's turn. Tajiri hits a planche, uh, hits a tarantula on Mysterio. Uh, and then a drop kick, and then a six one nine on Tajiri, and then he tra- uh, he tries for the West Coast pop, but he lands on his feet. Akio holds Mysterio against the ropes. Uh, Tajiri tries to hit the Green Mist on Rey Mysterio, but he rolls out of the way and ends up hitting Akio with the Green Mist. He then rolls up Tajiri for the three. Tajiri then hits the. Back, as he's celebrating, he like kicks Ray in the back. Akio is determined that they can't, he can't fight because he's blinded by the Green Mist. So it goes right to Chavo Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio as the final two men. Mysterio hits a drop toe hold and then hits a springboard hurricanra and then drop kicks the knee of Chavo Senior. <sighs> Ray then tries for a dive, but Charles Robinson stops him. So he runs against the ropes and vaults off of Charles Robinson's back, hitting uh, a senton on the Chavo Classic. Ray then tries for a springboard, springboard, uh, sunset flip, but Chavo grabs the legs and Chavo Senior pulls the arms of Chavo to allow Chavo to retain the cruiserweight championship. I love the fact that Chavo Guerrero uses a WCW theme. He, he, he uses his WCW what? He uses his WCW theme. Chavo Guerrero does. Oh. Yeah, it's great. Yes, he's not quite at the ooh Chavo one yet. Not yet. Uh, what do you think of this match? I thought it was fine. Um, it was one of those elimination gauntlet things that are all the rage in W in WWE right now. I almost said WCW. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, they they started doing these matches a lot on Raw, and they usually like take they usually give them like an hour. This one was like ten minutes, so it felt like a lot of these guys were just like, "Oh no, I get surprised and I get rolled up, or 
I do something stupid and I do a, get a quick submission. Yeah. So, so like it made a lot of the cruiserweight guys seem like, like nothing because they couldn't, they didn't last very long. I think the people who looked the best here were Ray and Jamie Noble. Everybody else kind of looks like chumps for the most part. Yeah, I thought like Billy Kitman, no, Jamie Noble, and Ray kind of got the best shine because they also got the best. They got the most time. So, right, yeah. Next up is Brock Lesnar versus Bill Goldberg. The Royal Rumble is about to start any minute. You are the number thirty entrant, Goldberg. That gives you a pretty distinct advantage, doesn't number it? Number thirty. Who cares what number Bill Goldberg is in the Royal Rumble? Didn't you just witness Brock Lesnar retaining his WWE Championship? That's all that matters to me. You should be conducting this interview with Brock Lesnar. What matters is tonight, after I go in the ring and I smash every single person involved in that Royal Rumble. And I get the opportunity to go to Mania to regain my title. Goldberg is on fire! Wait a Wait minute! minute. Brock Lesnar! Brock Lesnar! F5! F5's coming! Yeah! Yeah! Goldberg! What the hell is this about? Lesnar's not in the Royal Room of Max! And that's uh, all! Oh, Kurt Angle! Yeah! Kurt Angle has eliminated Goldberg! Hey, I want to come here and talk to you about something. You know, SmackDown's got a big you coming up to San Francisco here in a couple of weeks. Don't know way out. But you know the main event is, right? Eddie Guerrero battles Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. See, I haven't a good buddy in San Francisco and he sent me this ticket. And if you take this ticket, Bill, and you're sitting on the front row watching Brock Lesnar, don't do anything I wouldn't do. What the hell? Get back my damn phone with her. 
This has got the ingredients for an explosion. Austin and Lesnar. Oh, here we go. One another. Oh, my God. Stone Cold Steve Austin taking it to Lesnar. That's it. Stone Cold's done now. F5. Austin reverse the F5. Goes for the stutter. Lesnar counter. Lesnar's been busted open. What the hell is Stone Cold Steve Austin going to do? Okay, I, I can call this match. Okay. Nothing happens, and then Goldberg hits a jackhammer, the end. All right, done. So this is the first time that I had ever watched a match where the crowd turned on the match and hijacked it. I well, remember it's... watching this in amazement, like, oh my god. Yeah, it is odd. Like, everybody knew that Goldberg was leaving prior to... WrestleMania. Oh no, Lesnar. Because Oh, I'm getting to Lesnar. Oh, okay. Everybody knew that Goldberg was leaving prior to WrestleMania. He basically they offered him a new contract, I think like in November, and he refused to sign, and everybody knew that he was gone. So they expected Lesnar to win this match because he's the guy who's staying. But three weeks before WrestleMania, it turns out that Brock is leaving because he's sick of traveling. He and that's and he doesn't like being on the road and being away from his family and all this other stuff. So he decides that he's going to go back to Minnesota and uh, become a Minnesota Minnesota Viking in the NFL. Yep, and he starts a fight with the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, during one of the preseason games, like Brock Lesnar is an amazing athlete, but he played football at any sort of athletic like he's probably like played like a pickup game here or there i'm not saying he's never played football but he's never played football at that level yeah and and so he makes the team but he does like he's not like a starter or anything like that and he's gone before the season's up yeah because he kept picking fights with everybody (laughs) and so lesnar Ends up going to Japan. And winning the IWGP Championship, I think, from Hulk Hogan. Wasn't it? Uh, No, it wasn't Hogan. Oh, okay. No, Hogan... Because I know Kurt Angle also did a similar thing. Well, yeah, so he ends up going to Japan and he wins the IWGP Championship. I think he beat Bob Sapp for it, if I I remember correctly. But I could could be wrong. Gotcha. Uh, And... The WWE then sue Brock Lesnar because here's the thing: Brock Lesnar asked for his, for his release from his contract. He had several more years on his contract with the WWE, and part of his release was that he could not compete in any combat sports, including MMA or wrestling, um, until the year 2012. And he's like. All right, well, you're going to sue me. I'm going to counter sue. 
And the WWE and Brock Lesnar came to an agreement where Brock could work um, and do his wrestling matches in Japan. And Brock, I think, got some undisclosed amount of money from the WWE for all the trouble that was caused. Yeah. And then Brock... I think it's crazy that Brock Lesnar... Just think, he hadn't been around that long. In like two or three years on TV, if that. And already he was like, I'm done. I'm tired of this shit. Well, if you... If, I I haven't read Brock's book. But apparently, if you read Brock's book... Death Clutch. He sa- yeah, Death Clutch, written by Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. He says that he was so messed up on painkillers and alcohol at this point that he actually doesn't remember the last two years of his WWE run the first time around. Now, oh, wow. I don't really... Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if that's true or not, but if that is true, that's, like, really bad, and I guess it's good that he is he left for a time or else he probably wouldn't be around. But... Just think, like, he was, he was, he had just bought a, because he had, like, signed this big money extension, too, like, not that long ago. He had signed this big money extension, so he made enough money that he could, he bought a private jet for himself to fly to different places because he Holy didn't want to take. Yeah. So he leaves well, I don't the WWE. I mean, fuck. Look at Big Show trying to travel. Imagine Brock, like, borrowing four seats. Yeah, well, I know. Well, yeah, I can't imagine like Big Show and Coach. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, so Brock decides goes to Japan, wins the IWGP Championship, and then he does his usual, what has become his usual Brock thing, and actually decides not to show up to every New Japan show, and so, and also he left New Japan while still holding the title to join Inoki's IGF promotion and so new japan just crowned a new champion it was shinsuke nakamura and igf wanted to get the title off of brock but brock refused to lose to anybody except kurt angle and so that's why kurt angle and shinsuke nakamura had a title unification match but this was a couple years later um but yeah no this match is awful because they literally stare at each other for nearly three minutes before they even touch each other. Yep. And then it's just these big lockup moments and things like that. It sucks. Yeah. I mean, I was really interested in watching this match just for the sake of what was the WWE going to do to edit this? And they didn't do anything. They did some. Um, they did some. It did come out. I, I read a thread from when... The DVD was released, and people saying, "Yeah, they edited some of it." Like, like Goldberg gets cheered and stuff during his entrance. In the actual event, he got booed. Oh, okay. But, but uh, still. yeah, for the most part, they probably couldn't edit a lot because it's like, well, how are you gonna get around the entire arena chanting "You sold out"? I also think they cut down the amount of time they didn't touch because um, it was just them, just the crowd yelling and screaming about. Them selling out. I couldn't find a... uh, I tried looking for an unedited version because I wanted to watch both of them back to back. And finally, unfortunately, couldn't. But yeah, essentially, um, this whole match was because 
Uh, Austin gave tickets to Brock uh, to Brock Lesnar to go to the No Way Out event. He spear or to go. I mean, excuse me. He gave Austin gave Goldberg tickets to the No Way Out event. He speared Brock Lesnar to help Betty Guerrero win the title, and which you never you never see in the recaps. It's always just Eddie winning with a frog splash. Um, and then he's angry, and then they fight. Well, like you said, it turns out they were both leaving. The entire crowd turned on the whole entire thing. Uh, basically, it ends up with Austin. Uh, Goldberg hits a spear, and then a jackhammer, and wins. And uh, basically, Austin stuns them both. And Austin is the winner with all the heat. Yeah, yeah well... He he tried to do something to at least make the crowd happy. And so I mean, even watching the fucking video though, like it was like Jesus Christ. You would think this is more about Austin and and uh, Austin and Goldberg because they were like fighting over his ATV and this and that and just dumb shit, you know? Or fucking Brock. Yeah. I love Brock. I I looked like he he stole the ATV one time and he does a freaking wheelie down the ramp and I was like, oh god, he's gonna freaking flip that thing. Looked pretty impressive. He like like no effort on his part to bring to bring the the uh, ATV off off the off front. Yeah. Off the front. No, this was. But uh, yeah, like by the near the end of the video, I'm like, is this supposed to be for Rock and or for Brock and uh, Austin or Austin and for Goldberg? Like, you'd almost be like, oh, those are <laughs> Goldberg and and Brock meeting each other. It's just an afterthought. Anyway, yeah, not, neither 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 of these men wanted to do this match. They just they hated the WWE at this point, and they just wanted to do get away with as little as possible. And that, that's exactly what they did. Yep. We then go outside the arena. There's a huge pyro display. Jr. throws your promo package for WrestleMania 21 at the Staples Center in L.A. Bank introduces Ernst McMahon, who comes out to no music. He says that the theme of uh, this year's WrestleMania is it. It all begins again. He says, "Without us fans, there have been no WrestleMania." And thank you very much on the past and present WWE employees. Thank you from the company. There are random thank you Vince signs in the crowd. Fucking plants. Probably. Like, like when I go to is... WrestleMania, I'm gonna go. Oh, thanks, Vince. Yeah, I don't know, but this is weird because Vince never does things like this. No, it was really weird. Maybe he thought he had to after that. I mean, this is right after the Goldberg match. Maybe he had to be like, I gotta go down there and, you know, calm down. I gotta down. rile the crowd about a cup for the tag team match that's gonna happen next. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, no, I seriously think this is maybe an off-the-cuff situation. Um, or maybe it was planned. I, I don't know. But, I mean, like, to me, it seems like, hey, uh, we gotta do something. And who's gonna boo yeah. Vince McMahon, you know? Next up, we have another Fatal 4-Way Sudden Death Tag Team Championship match because it works so well for the SmackDown brand. For the tag team titles, World's Greatest Tag Team, APA, Basham Brothers, and Tool Cool, consisting of Scotty Tuhati and Rikishi. Where, yes, because uh, yeah. Brian Christopher is gone. Oh, okay. Yes, he, uh, at this point, he'd been fired by the WWE already been uh and he's uh been a integral part of early tna oh well there you go 
Sheldon and Bradshaw start off. Big boot early by Bradshaw. Uh, Doug uh, Basham tags himself in. Beats down Shelton. Scotty Duhati and Charlie Haas are tagged in. World's greatest tag team. Double teams uh, Scotty. Uh, teams, double team Scotty. The crowd is pretty dead as Haas puts on a bear hug onto Scotty. Eventually gets out. Doug Basham tags himself in. He works over Scotty. A double suplex on Scotty by the Basham brothers. They keep tagging in frequently, keeping Scotty in the ring or in their corner. Scotty then finally hits an Insiguri, but still can't make a tag to Rikishi. But eventually he does out of the blue. He just runs to him. It felt really weird. Like, they were building up for this desperation tag, and he just runs right over to Rikishi. Like, okay. Rikishi comes in and basically beats up everybody, and then he hits a DDT, uh, but Farouk makes a save. Shelton Benjamin tries a German... Shelton Benjamin tries... German suplexing Rikishi. And the way he gets out, he just sticks his butt out and, like, shot Benjamin acts like he's been shot. Falls out of well, the... Well, that's, uh, pa- that's the power of the ass. It is. Ass power. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's the uh, tagline for this episode. Ass power. Ass power. <laughs> Good way to cap off... Uh, never mind. Uh, so he knocks Shelton Benjamin out of the ring. Charlie gets a stink face. Bradshaw then picks up Doug Basham, hits the last call, which is uh, from over the top rope. Um, Bradshaw hits a clothesline from Hill on Danny Basham. Rikishi hits a small drop on Bradshaw. Danny gets hit with a bonsai drop for the win. Two cool retain their titles. Again, people were not tagged in correctly, and they just randomly had a finish. Yep. After the match, Scott Duhati does the worm. Then they dance. A promo package then plays for Edge, saying that Edge is coming. And then, uh, randomly, the SummerSlam 99 theme that they used on the network. Like, what the fuck? Jesse Ventura comes out. Well, I don't think he had a theme song when he was wrestling for the Fed. Uh, maybe you're right. Well, what do you think of because this? Was... So, before we get into Jesse Ventura, what do you think of this tag team match? Uh, I thought it was okay. I thought the one from before was a bit better. Yeah. Uh, because, like, if you're going to have a nothing happening tag team match where you're going to have the same champions remain champions afterwards, um, I guess it would be better if you have a tag team with two good single stars rather than Scotty Tuhati and Rikishi, who are both kind of like on their last legs in the Fed at this point. Yeah. I don't know, and I just I th- I thought that the last match uh, just had better chemistry uh, amongst the teams. It seemed to be. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Let me say this: What would WrestleMania be? without Jesse the Body coming out and doing an interview with somebody. Just like 20 years ago. Now, where's my man? Who am I looking for out here to interview? Aha! Who is it? Who's he looking for, It's the star of the number one rated TV show on NBC, The Apprentice. 
Oh. Oh, yeah. The host of WrestleMania 4 and 5. None other than New York's own Donald Trump. All right. The Donald. The Donald. Donald, great to see you. First of all, I got to say the hair looks great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. All right, Donald, what is, you're here at WrestleMania. You hosted WrestleMania 4 and 5. What does WrestleMania mean to a man like you? Well, it means a lot. I was involved with, with Vince for a long time. He's a great guy. He's done really an unbelievable job. I'm with my son tonight, and we're having a good time. You're having a great time. Now, I got to ask you, now we'll get to the personal stuff, Donald. You know, if I were to get back into politics, could I expect your moral and financial support? 100%. 100% if I get back in politics. One, you know that, 100%. You know what? I think that we may need a wrestler in the White House in 2008. Donald, thank you. Have a great time. Let's get on with mania. Jesse, the Body Ventura and Donald Trump. Boy, there's a pair. Hey, wait, what, what about a, a restaurant in the White House? Yeah, and maybe a billionaire's a vice president. Well, I'm just testing the waters here. Jesse grabs a mic and asks, What is WrestleMania without Jesse Ventura? Without Jesse the Body Ventura doing an interview? Just like 20 years ago. And I went, Oh, you just dated this so hard. Uh, he is looking around the crowd, and then he goes, Oh, there's the star of The Apprentice, NBC's hit show, The Apprentice, Donald Trump. Ooh. Yeah. And this is like the second time in the show. Jesse Ventura brings up running for, We Gotta Put a Wrestler in the White House in 2008. He well, then asks Donald Trump if he would have his political and financial support if he were to run in 2008. And that's it! Uh, Trump just says he's having a good time and he knows Vince from a long time ago and he's doing a great job and having fun. That's it! He would win 100 pointless. He would 100%, support, 100% support Jesse Ventura for a, for a presidential win, uh, bid. It well, went, it went nowhere. Luckily, Jesse didn't actually run for president, so. God. Now, was this a conspiracy theory, Jesse, or not yet? No, he, he's always been conspiracy theory, Jesse Ventura. Let's be real. But, no, he wasn't quite at the, well, who did 9-11? You know, that sort of thing. Everyone said Iraq did 9-11, but it was really the government. Bah. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Moving okay, on. so now we're at like one of the most interesting stories of the entire card. Yes. Please tell us. Okay. So they're putting together this whole WrestleMania um, card, and Molly Holly notices that the women's championship is not being defended at WrestleMania. So she's like, well, that's not fair because all the men's titles are being defended, except for the Intercontinental Championship or whatever. And she goes to Vince and says, please, you have to put the women's title on 
the card and Vince is like, well, no, I don't want to do that. And she goes, all right, hear me out. I will shave my head if you put the women's title on the card. And he goes, okay. So Molly Holly basically had to sit, beg and plead and give up her hair for this match to happen. God, that is so sad. It is. Because we had that stupid Playboy match earlier. And this is and these two women, Molly Holly and Victoria, are actual wrestlers. They care about the sport of professional wrestling. They care about the art of wrestling. And they weren't going to be on the card. So God, that is so sad. Man, now they'd be like, oh yeah, we, we wanted it. Oh, it was so good. I don't know. Fuck. So yeah. Hair versus women's championship match. Molly Holly versus Victoria. If Molly Holly loses, she has to shave her head. Uh, King asks that Molly is a good girl. Has she ever been shaven? JR just admonishes King. They don't start uh, talking about. They spent the entire yeah. match talking about panties, and JR was getting pissed. Well, yeah, because these two women are actually putting on a good wrestling match. Yeah. And he's just like, he's, and King is, can only talk about panties. boobs and, and, and panties. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's ridiculous at this point. He, it's obviously he doesn't care anything about women's wrestling. He likes women, but he doesn't like women's wrestling. Yep. Both women lock up. Molly starts off with kicks and whips her into the uh, corner and then a hip attack. Victoria does a cartwheel and does a small package for Molly, for a two. Molly rolls out of the ring. Victoria gives chase and is clotheslined to the outside. Molly hits a suplex for a two uh, on Victoria. So far, the match has been nothing but Molly Holly. Uh, a running dropkick on Victoria for a two by Molly. Molly puts on a long neck vice on Victoria in the middle of the ring. Again, the crowd is dead. Victoria finally gets some offense with a kick to the head and the roll-up. JR and King are talking about panties, and JR seems uncomfortable. Victoria catches Molly on the top rope, but Molly blocks and turns into a powerbomb from the top. Um, Molly tries to hit the Widow's Peak on Victoria, but Victoria blocks it, turns it into a backslide for the win out of nowhere. One, two, three. So, I didn't really care, and the match is okay, but for me, I found the aftermatch stuff more interesting. So after the match... Molly Holly tries to run out of the crowd, but Victoria stops her. She runs to the back where Victoria is chasing her, but Molly then attacks Victoria and then tries to shave her head, but the clippers don't turn on. She then sprays hairspray in the face of Molly Holly and then knocks Molly Holly out. And there are leather straps on the chair. So Molly then starts shaving the... Or Victoria starts shaving the head of Molly. Huge clumps of hair are being... You know, shaven and being thrown out. And Molly wakes up and she's freaking out. I just find it funny. They had leather straps around the chest and the wrists. Well, yeah. I mean, if you were going to get your head shaved against your... You might want to have some uh, protection there. Yeah, true. I can imagine, though, like... I mean, it wasn't as bad as we'll see in the future. But, man, like, that must have hurt like a bitch. Because her hair was so thick... It depends. As a person who actually shaves their head, because I have baldness in my family, um, 
it depends on how thick your hair is. I have pretty thick hair, uh, even though it's mine's thin and wispy. Out. Like mine's thick. Like I, I got a full head of hair, but I know I, I go to I just go to uh what do you do gray clips for 15 bucks i get the number two all around usually after a mm. few months and uh but they have to use like three different sets of razors to cut my hair usually but yeah it's, it's but not if, a thick, if you have like, a really good if you have a really good set of clippers though it, and you put a and it's just the zero guard like yeah there you, you can you can get through very thick hair and it oh, doesn't okay. actually hurt okay it just it, it depends on on who's cutting the hair and actually i will say that victoria seemed to actually know what she was doing yeah i could tell you she was kind of going with the grain and she actually and, was like and, pulling the hair back and then letting it get cut rather than just like letting it flow and get it all caught up in the clippers and so I, i'm sure molly probably didn't actually feel anything she was like flick flipping out and she did a really good job acting yeah, but it didn't actually hurt. Yeah, no, and I mean, like I've had, I've had freaking people like take the razors and like push it against my skull. Like, okay, what are you trying to do? Like, burn the hair off? Like, Jesus? Yes. Like, yeah, no, it, it can. It, they can get really hot. Yeah. Yeah, that too. And but, it's, like, it's like Jesus. Okay, good. Is my hair gone yet? Fuck. No, no, it's not. Yeah, I, but I, yeah, no. This match is just a, a show of how, of like. I Molly just feel Holly like they. Being, I, I wish it would have gotten more time. I wish it would have gotten more time too. But I, this is this is one of the examples of Molly Holly being one of the most selfless person people in the entire business. And she is like, if you talk to anybody who has met or had any interaction with Molly Holly, they will say that she is the nicest person you will ever meet, and I am sure that that is the case. Because she went on the line to go bald just so that Victoria would have a match at the, at this WrestleMania. And not only that, but she paid for Beth Phoenix to go to wrestling school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's just like, just, just, she didn't know Beth Phoenix. She just did it out of the kindness of her heart. So like, like she's just this really nice woman who really cares about the business and, and making sure that it's represented well. And it's just too bad that she wasn't, she was around during this time when women's wrestling was not respected. Yeah, I agree. Next up, we have the WWE championship, Kurt Angle versus Eddie Guerrero, the champion. Eddie Guerrero comes out on a low rider with switches. Uh, Oh, you know what? I completely uh, missed the, missed the, missed the paragraph. So Cole and Taz go to a video back to Eddie versus Angle. Many people have asked me, why, Kurt? Why? I didn't attack Eddie Guerrero for me. I attacked Eddie Guerrero for the fans of SmackDown for all the WWE. Eddie Guerrero is a former drug addict. A drug addict is the last person we need to represent us as the WWE champion. That's why when Eddie Guerrero won the championship, I couldn't just sit there and let Eddie destroy the morals that are the cornerstone of the character of this nation. One day you will thank me for the champion that you can be proud of. Wait a minute! Whoa! Let's go! WWE Champion Eddie Guerrero! Kurt Angle! You like to jump people 
need you. Officers, I want you to arrest Eddie Guerrero. You're spending the night in jail. There's a poison seeping through the moral fiber of this country. Our WWE champion gets himself arrested, mired in scandal and disgrace. That's exactly what I feared would happen if Eddie Guerrero became champion. Would you feel comfortable if your children were acting like Eddie Guerrero? And Eddie Guerrero as the WWE champion will only bring disgrace and shame to this company for years to come. I won't allow that to happen. I am hereby demanding that Eddie Guerrero issue a public apology for his reprehensible behavior. Tell you I'm sorry. Now. This is bad. Eddie, Eddie Guerrero's hands are still handcuffed. We have the greatest fans in the world, but they have no appreciation for what I'm doing. My match at WrestleMania is the most important match in my life. I'm not only fighting for myself, I'm fighting for the future of this company. drug addict and that he doesn't want to sit there and let him destroy our morals of this nation and that someday we will thank Kurt Angle and be, be he will be a champion we will be proud of so that's kind of the uh, stuff going into it the bell rings and both men just stare at each other and Eddie chant breaks out they lock up and there's a uh, bunch of amateur wrestling by both men neither man can get the advantage a random angle let's go angle angle sucks Chant breaks out. <clears throat> um, they do more amateur wrestling. Uh, Angle then ends up with a front face lock. Taz explains really well why Angle has a front face lock on and what it does to help him control Eddie. There are several pin attempts during this while Angle has a face lock still applied. I really like that. I, m I really miss this about the commentary explaining, you know, Usually you see a face lock, it's usually a rest move or something, but Taz made it, you know, hey, there's a reason he's doing this. Yeah, and actually, um, when I was saying this, I was reminded of... Remind we, uh... Huh? Sorry, you, you go cut out every now and then. Oh, um, I was reminded of Mike Quackenbush. He has this uh, move, which is basically a, a front face lock, and he basically just rolls... Mm -hmm. with his opponent mm -hmm. it's called the gator roll yeah um and luke harper 
who is actually one of Mike Quackenbush's protégés, uh, used that in the WWE. And I was, I was just reminded of that, uh, oh, making okay. a simple move something that is effective. Yeah, definitely. Um, for a second here. Eddie then finally gets out of the move, and he hits a key lock on Angle's left arm. Eventually, Angle gets out and applies an abdominal stretch on Eddie. Eddie tries for the three amigos, but Angle hits a German suplex and then tries for a back suplex over the top rope, but Eddie lands on his feet. Angle then tries to hit a German suplex from the apron, but Eddie was able to hold on to the top rope and knocks Angle out of the ring. Angle then... I always hated when Angle did that spot because it's so scary. <laughs> oh, I know. Like, just seeing him slip and, like, fall on his back. Or, or imagine if he in. actually hit the move. Or it that. Would oh, God. It yeah. would kill both people. Yes, they'd both be dead. Uh, <clears throat> Eddie then climbs to the top rope, tries for a move, but Angle move, moves right away, and Eddie crashes into the barricade. Angle rolls Eddie back into the ring for a two count. Uh, Angle continues to work over the ribs of Eddie and puts him in a body scissors. The crowd is cheering Eddie on. Kurt Angle slams Eddie's stomach across the top rope and then hits a belly-to-belly overhead German suplex. Uh, or sorry, belly to belly, uh, overhead belly-to-belly release suplex. Then a second one by Angle, a two-count. Again, Angle goes after the midsection of Eddie with a squeeze around the back. Eddie then gets his thumbs in the eyes of Angle to break the hold. Uh, Angle then hits another belly-to-belly overhead suplex. Angle then puts Eddie on the top rope and tries for a German suplex. But Eddie knocks him off. Eddie then hits a frog splash, but Angle moves out of the way at the last second. Angle then is giving straight right hands. Nick Patrick admonishes Angle to open up his fist. Eddie then starts firing up, begging for more, and he hulks up essentially. Guerrero starts firing up and hits clotheslines. Hits a suplex on Angle for a two. Eddie tries for a suplex, but Angle reverses and hits a German suplex. Um, and then holds on for a second, but Eddie rolls up for a two. He took the world head scissors by Eddie. He then uh, hits the three amigos, but on the third one, Angle stops it and gets an ankle lock. But Eddie counters the with a fa- kick to the face. Eddie hits a drop kick, climbs to the top rope. Eddie then runs up the tur- turnbuckle. I'm sorry, Kurt Angle throws runs up the turnbuckle, throws Eddie across the ring for a cover. Uh, he only gets a near fall. Angle then lowers the straps, puts Eddie into the ankle lock, and then again, Eddie counters with a roll-up for a two. Angle hits a release German suplex on Eddie. Angle tries for the angle slam, but Eddie reverses into a spinning DDT. He then hits a frog splash. One, two, kick out. The crowd's chanting along. They thought it was a bit hard on the fall. Really awesome. Eddie's beside himself. He's kind of just staring at, at Angle, trying to figure out what to do next. Eddie then lifts, tries to lift Angle up, and Angle puts Eddie into the Angle lock. Uh, it looks like he's about to give up as Cole is begging for Eddie not to give up. Eddie then rolls through, sending Angle to the outside. Eddie then starts untying his boot and then rolling around and grabbing his ankle. Angle then grabs... Gets back in at nine. Eddie hits the angle, or sorry, uh, Kurt Angle hits the ankle lock again on Eddie, but Eddie is able to roll out of his boot 
with his boot in Angle's hand, Eddie quickly rolls up Angle for the pinfall, and still your WWE champion, Eddie Guerrero. After the match, Michael Cole says, Wait a minute! Eddie's ankle isn't hurt! He has outsmarted Kurt Angle. Or outsmarted Kurt Angle. And I'm thinking to myself, did that even have to be said? Fuck off, Michael Cole. Like, yeah, no, I mean, like, his ankle could still be hurt, and he just, and he also outsmarted Kurt Angle. Yeah, so what I, I, what do you think of this match? I love this match. It's, like, one of my favorite WWE Championship matches because it tells the story of Kurt Angle, who at this point is, he's no longer the funny man. He's no longer this goofy character. He is the wrestling machine. Yep. And he wants his title back. And he knows without a shadow of a doubt that he's better than Eddie Guerrero. And throughout this entire match, he proves it. He out-wrestles Eddie. But Eddie has heart, and and that's how he... Ult- and, and he also can... He's kind of tricky, and that's ultimately how... Uh, what outdoes Angle, because he's so focused on his pure wrestling that he doesn't consider that somebody could potentially trick him. And yes, I think your, <clears throat> the, your comment that the commentary at the end kind of ruined the... Uh, the effect of the match, but or what the match was trying to tell inside the ring, but really, this is just a great, great match. I love it. Yeah, I really like that. I give it four stars. So, the Undertaker is returning as Dead Man Undertaker, not Biker Taker. Jr. and King throw to a promo package. I came here tonight to give a eulogy for my brother, the Undertaker. The man that I buried alive at Survivor Series. My brother and I used to share a common bond. We were monsters, but my brother committed the most unpardonable of all sins. He betrayed himself. He became one of you. This man was not my brother. This man was not a monster. My brother was nothing but a fraud. I buried him alive. Rest in peace.
ashes. I'm falling to ashes. Dust. To dust. It's over, dead man. buried the Undertaker at Survivor Series because Undertaker versus Vince McMahon was a match, a buried alive match. That was a thing. Kane says he became one of us as a biker. And he wasn't a monster anymore. And he was nothing but a fraud. At the Royal Rumble, Kane was kicking ass, but then the Undertaker's music hit and a video package played and the ring filled with smoke. For weeks, Undertaker would do nothing but... Uh, sorry. Undertaker would do different things to show that him uh, Kane that he was going to return. On the Monday night, Raw before WrestleMania, he made the ring levitate. Ooh, spooky. So, Kane versus Undertaker. Before we get into this, I remember just being so sick of Kane versus Undertaker. Because we'd seen it so many times by this point. Not during WrestleMania, during this review of this podcast, but just in general. Kane versus Undertaker had been a staple match they'd gone back to numerous times. Sure. And I mean, we we had seen this match once before at WrestleMania. Yes. When Kane debuted. Yes. And essentially, essentially, you can't have the character of Kane and Undertaker if they're not going to interact with each other at some point because they're tied together they're brothers quote unquote yeah so i see your point but like their stories are so tied together that i i don't mind seeing them either tag together or have matches against <clears throat> each other like because that's just part of the gimmick i guess yeah i just remember at this point though just being tired of seeing these two fight each other. Kane comes out, and the arena goes dark. Paul Bear says, oh, yes. And the druids come out with Paul Bear holding an urn. Undertaker finally comes out. Kane looks shocked, shaking his head. Yeah, he's like, it can't be you. You can't be here. Yeah, it was awesome. Undertaker gets closer to the ring. Taker then gets face-to-face with Paul Bear, who motions towards the ring. JR reminds us that Undertaker is 11-0 at WrestleMania. Kane is yelling, You're not real! As the bell rings. An Undertaker chant starts to break out. Kane slowly starts to approach Undertaker. And then finally touches him. And Undertaker just starts unloading with the right hands on Kane. It was so awesome. Like, during this whole thing, they were showing Kane. And Kane was like, no, this this is no, no. Like his expressions were fucking amazing. It yeah, was awesome. I Kane Kane I think gets a bad rap because of all of his like weird storylines. Weird storylines is off and on again pushes 
I mean, at this point, he'd the been fact a, that he can't, the fact that he never takes any bump on his face, he always takes it on his knee. Like he, he just there's a lot of weird things going on with Kane. But he, when he wants to be, and when he is motivated, and when he actually gets really good things to work with, there's there's practically nobody better in in the WWE than Glenn Jacobs. Yeah, no, I don't disagree one bit. Uh, Kane runs out of the ring in fear. He tries to get away, but Undertaker catches him. Kane is unable to get the advantage, but it doesn't last long as Undertaker throws Kane to the side of the ring. And then he rolls him back in. Undertaker then hits a leg drop onto the side of the ring. Undertaker hits several running clotheslines with Kane in the corner and then sets him up for the last ride. But Kane hits a snake eyes and then a big boot. He begins punching a down taker with right hands. Kane then follows up with a sidewalk slam. Kane hits the top rope. Hits a flying clothesline, but only is able to get a two count. Taker then does the old school, but as Taker Taker jumps off, uh, Kane goozles Taker, but then Taker goozles Kane, and Taker tries for a choke slam, but Kane counters it with a choke slam of his own, but he doesn't go for the cover. Undertaker then is like dead in the middle of the ring, but then he sits up to a huge. Crowd just pops huge for that. Uh, he then starts hitting right hands to Kane. Another flying clothesline. Undertaker signals for the choke slam. He goes Kane and hits a big choke slam on him. And then Undertaker calls for the tombstone. As Kane tries to get up and slowly does, he gets him into the tombstone and he picks up the victory. One, two, three. I was really. <sighs> I was disappointed because we've seen. Past matches, we've seen numerous matches where Kane, you know, they'd kick out of each other's finishers, they had to get chairs, they had to do this, they had to do that. All this stuff had to happen before either Kane or Undertaker could beat each other. But then here, one choke slam, one tombstone, Kane is easily put away. Well, I think it's because of two reasons. One, one is storyline, one is kayfabe. So storyline reason is Kane really didn't think that Undertaker was coming back. Regardless of all the signs that he got to see his brother back, especially in the dead man gimmick. So when he saw him, surprise, whatever. In terms of of like what Vince was thinking when he booked this match, it's like, well, Baker needs to come back strong because uh, nobody's going to want to see the dead man gimmick again if it's just business as usual. So that's why they had this extended squash match, basically. Yeah. No, I, I get it. It's just one of these things where it's like, it really did a disservice to Kane, I think. Well, yeah. But Kane gets his in a couple of years. Six years. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We now move on to the main event. We throw to a... Uh, Promo package. Dirty World Heavyweight Championship. Three-way Chris Benoit versus Shawn Michaels versus Triple H, the champion. Chris Rule. For the first time ever, HBK and Chris Benoit will challenge the World Heavyweight Champion Triple H. Three men with one goal. The Royal Rumble. Two men stood in this ring. They scratched. They clawed. They fought for what they believed in, and that is the World Heavyweight. 
that Triple H is still the World Heavyweight Champion. Shawn Michaels, you wrestled one hell of a match, but you did not win the Royal Rumble. So right now, I'd like the winner of the 2004 Royal Rumble to come out here to this ring. to be the best. It took me 62 minutes to beat 29 men. WrestleMania 20. It's gonna be me, not you. Oh! Michael just kicked in one to another right time. Wait a minute, what, what the hell is Sean doing? It turns out Eric Bischoff made a decision regarding the world title at WrestleMania. So for the first time, the World Heavyweight Championship will be decided at WrestleMania in a triple threat match. Versus Shawn Michaels. Versus Chris Benoit, like we said, won the won the Royal Rumble. Basically, HBK wanted back in. Eventually, he is. And basically, the the thing is, is Benoit and ba- Michaels have both said, "Oh, we're gonna make sure Triple H doesn't leave WrestleMania the champion." So, HBK goes after Triple H. Benoit throws HBK off him, and he attacks to start. They then start attacking Benoit. But basically, Benoit and Michael start attacking Triple H, and then they attack each other. And then uh, eventually, 
they do move, so they knock each other out. So it's a two-on-two match. Or, oh, sorry, a one-on-one match for a while. Uh, moving on a little bit. So they got a million notes. Triple H hits a spine buster on Michaels. He tries for a pedigree, but Benoit comes back and draw, and stops that. Uh, he tries for a German suplex but Michael, on Michaels, but Michaels blocks it. So Benoit just throws Michaels to the into the ring uh, turnbuckle, into the ring post, shoulder first. Benoit hits a snap suplex on Triple H, and then he lights up his chest with a lot of knife as chops. Uh, Triple H tries. I've always to... really liked Benoit's chops. Oh yeah, they're loud and probably hurt like hell. And he just and he always yells with them. He doesn't woo like Flair. He just like rah and yeah. then hits you. Like he's like some sort of bear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael sends Benoit crotch first into the top rope. HBA tries for a switch in the music on Triple H, but Triple H ducks and Michaels falls out of the ring. Uh, nothing. It's <laughs> funny as fuck. He just goes for it and goes whoa over the top rope. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Benoit is still on the top rope as Triple H and Benoit fight on the top rope. Triple H attempts a superplex, but uh, after fighting off, Triple H doesn't give up. And they finally hit a superplex on Benoit for a near fall. A let's go Benoit chant breaks out as he makes his way to back to his feet. He hits several punches, but Triple H catches Benoit and tries for a pedigree. As Benoit turns into a crossface, Triple H fights, but eventually gets it locked in. Michaels breaks it up, though. Shawn Michaels with a German on Benoit as the crowd boos as he holds up Benoit and reverses into a trifecta of Germans on Michaels. Benoit calls for the top rope and they hit a picture-perfect flying headbutt. He gets a near fall. Benoit tries for a second, but only gets uh, tries for a second pin, but only gets another two. An inverted atomic drop by Triple H on Michaels. Michaels climbs to the top rope and hits an elbow drop. On Triple H, but he doesn't do the cover. Triple H then starts... Triple H. Sorry, Michael starts tuning up the band as the cloud claps along with every stomp. Michaels then hits a sweet chin mu- chin music. Uh, you think it's over at this point? Benoit then gets pulled out of the ring by Triple H. Uh, sorry, Benoit pulls Triple H out of the ring, I should say, to stop the count. Another Benoit chant breaks out. Benoit then works over Michaels with n- multiple knife heads chops. Michaels does a flare fly, uh, flip, and Benoit fights to get the sharpshooter, but sends Michaels into the turnbuckle with a catapult. Michaels isn't busted everywhere. He gets busted open, and he's just bleeding everywhere. It was crazy how quickly he went from no blood to blood. He probably nicked an artery or something. Something. Because like he, he, the bad. way that he started bleeding was just kind of crazy. Yeah, it was like... Oh, he got catapulted into the turnbuckle. Okay. Next shot. Oh, he's already got a crimson mask. And it's all over his chest. What the fuck? <laughs> it was crazy. Benoit gets the cross face on Michaels, but f- Michaels fights and struggles, but finally Michaels is able. Uh, Michaels gets it in, gets it in, as blood is running down his face. Michaels is about to tap, but Triple H grabs his hand to stop. I really like that. Like, he was on the verge of tapping, and Triple H just grabs his hand to stop him from tapping. Uh, Benoit then breaks the hold. Benoit stops Triple H, setting him face first into the steel steps. As Triple H then is slammed face first into the steel steps. Um, 
Benoit is whipped into the steel steps as Michael is laid in the ring, just bleeding. It looks horrible. Triple H starts tearing apart the SmackDown announce table, but Benoit fights back and slams Triple H, Triple H's head into the Spanish announce table. They climb up to the Spanish announce table as Benoit tries to German suplex Triple H, but he blocks it. Triple H then beats down Benoit and tries to go for a pedigree, but Benoit blocks that. Shawn Michaels now with uh, with them. All three men are now on the Spanish announce table. Triple H and Michaels look at each other, and then they suplex Benoit through the SmackDown announce table from the Spanish announce table, and JR and King act like Benoit has just been murdered. Like, they're just like, okay, he's done. He's gone. He's out of the match. Michaels is a crimson mask all over his chest, his hair. As Triple H and Michaels exchange punches in the ring. Uh, knife edge chops by my and by Michaels. Michaels sends Triple H over the turnbuckle. And Triple H falls onto a cameraman. Triple H is now busted open from something. I don't know from what. But now he's bleeding everywhere. Triple H I think a... it was when he hit, like, hit the ring post or something. Oh, okay. That just seemed kind of weird. It was suppo- it was supposed, I think it was supposed to be there that he supposedly got busted open. Okay. Triple H then hits a pedigree out of nowhere on Michaels as the crowd boos, knowing what happened at WrestleMania 19. Triple H slowly, slowly covers Michaels with one arm, but Benoit comes flying in out of nowhere off screen to stop the count as JR is beside himself as he thought Benoit was done for. Triple H is now a crimson mask as blood streams down his face as Triple H is breathing heavy to accent the blood. Triple H then tries for a pedigree as the crowd boos and uh, Benoit reverses it into a sharpshooter as the crowd is going nuts screaming for Benoit. Michaels is on the outside, so it's just Benoit and Triple H. Triple H slowly starts to crawl towards the ropes, but Benoit pulls Triple H back into the ring as he's he's literally fingertips away from breaking the crippler crossface. Michaels comes in out of nowhere and hits a sweet chin music on Benoit. Michaels covers Benoit with one arm for a near fall. Michaels tries for sweet chin music, but Benoit ducks and sends Michaels out over the top rope. Triple H then kicks Benoit in the gut for a pedigree, but Benoit turns into a crippler crossface. Triple H is almost at the ropes, fingertips away again, as Earl Hebner is asking if he quits. Earl checks his arm. It falls for one, but Triple H puts his arm back up. Benoit then rolls Triple H to the center of the ring, and again Triple H fights and fights, yelling, and he finally taps. Benoit is your new heavyweight champion. Um, I fucking love this match. Yeah, it's it's really good. I really like it as well. I just, I, I've said it before, I have my difficulties with Benoit matches. I loved Benoit in WCW. I loved him in WWE. Yeah, I mean, I've gotten over, well, I'm not saying it right I don't have an issue watching his matches. I can put aside what he did as a normal person. I will never forget it, especially at this. But um, I love Chris Benoit matches. I just everything's so good. He was such a great wrestler, and this was like the culmination, where it's kind of like reminds me a lot of the Chris Benoit. I mean the uh, Daniel Bryan 
WrestleMania 30, where it's like, this is his time, it's his time, it's his time. And they finally pulled the trigger. Right, right. Well, if you actually look at that match, the WrestleMania 30 match and this match, there's actually a lot of the same spots in it. So it's it's interesting. Yeah. Um, no, and I love the fact, too, that, like, they would pair off with each other and they do these big, you know, moves. And then it was like, okay, go back and do something else. Like, it always felt well, like... Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really helped with the pacing of the match because triple threat matches are, are difficult because... There's always that weird odd man out thing where it's like, well, what? where's this guy? What's he doing? But they always did something to really take that person out of the match for a few minutes so that they could really pair up. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Uh, it was a really good match, though. I really freaking love this match. Uh, I don't know why Triple H and HBK both had to bleed like stuck pigs, but, you know. Well, I... I think it's because those two guys both really emulate Ric Flair. And if you look at Flair's matches for a good portion of his career, he bled all the time. Oh, yeah. Triple H would bleed like a drop of a hat. Then you look at him the wrong way and he busted open. Right. So I think they were both like paying tribute to their mentor person, whereas Chris Benoit really took after the Dynamite Kid, and Dynamite Kid don't bleed for nothing. He'll just he'll tie you in knots and then murder you, but he he won't bleed. Yes. All right. Any other thing? Any thoughts about this match? Uh, I really like the aftermath with Eddie and Benoit. Yeah. So um, hugging after, in the ring. Yeah. After the match, Jr. is losing his voice as he claims Chris Benoit is the champion of this by God world. Eddie Guerrero comes out to the center of the ring. He claps. They hug in the middle of the ring as confetti rains down on both men. Eddie is crying. Eddie raises the belt, or the hand of Benoit with his belt. As JR says, this has been the greatest WrestleMania ever. So. I mean, yeah. it, it's interesting because uh, Benoit essentially won this belt one time before when it was the WCW title. And when he won it the next day, he threw it. He basically threw it in the trash and and walked out of the company. Yeah, they tried and, to give him the title to keep him staying. He's like, I don't want this piece of shit. I don't care. Right. And he went to the WWE. And now he has slowly climbed his way back up, and he's the world champion again. And it actually means something to him this time. And you could really see that because. Um, Eddie and, and Chris were of those guys who were always told that they were too small, they were never going to actually make it, and they were never going to be world champion material. The best that they could hope for is cruiserweight or maybe like a secondary title or something along those lines, but they're not main eventers because of their size. And they proved through their own grit and being the best damn wrestlers that they can be that they are just as capable as any big man um, at the time, uh, Kevin Nash called the Benoit and Eddie vanilla midgets, uh, and that WWE like ruined their world titles by putting it on them. Wow. But the fi- but this is what the fans wanted. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it was a good moment for, for them. And, it's, and, and, it, you know, you have to give the fans what they want. They get behind somebody organically like they did people. Be- by getting behind Benoit and Guerrero, um, it's not up to 
the booker at that point to step in and say, no, you have to like this really big jacked guy because he's going to draw money regardless, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's so it's, it's a good moment and it's funny. Uh, It seems to be that every WrestleMania that ends with a uh, zero, but, um, has the best technical wrestler winning the world title. I don't know what that is, uh, what that is about, but that just seems to be the the pattern. Yeah. What was your favorite match of the card? Uh, it was Goldberg Brock Lesnar. No, uh, seriously, I probably would be um, Eddie Angle for myself. Um, I objectively probably the. Benoit match is a better match than the Angle uh, Guerrero match, but I prefer the Angle Guerrero match. Yeah, I agree with you. I want to say I like the three way, but I just feel like it's kind of like a scapegoaty kind of like. Well, it's the last thing I watched, so of course it's like most fresh in my mind. But right, yeah. All right, do you want to find out what Dave Meltzer had to say? What did the Wrestling Observer Dave Meltzer? Have? say all right check those ratings boys all right the u.s title had 1.25 stars i think that's generous but okay the first fatal four-way for the w for the uh, tag champions 1.5 stars okay chris jericho versus christian 3.5 okay mick foley rock Handicap match, 3.75 stars. Okay. Tori Wilson versus Mickey James. Playboy match, quarter star. Quarter, sorry. Oh, that was zero a minus point, five star match. Zero point, well, it's like a quarter of a star. Ah, uh, no. Minus five. The Cruiserweight Open had a 2.5. Okay. Wow. Goldberg. Goldberg versus Lesnar, if you had to guess. Minus five. 1.25. Bullshit. No, that's what he put. Oh, he's being super generous. That match was awful. Well, what's funny is the second tag match also gets a one and a quarter star. No, those two matches are not comparable in in terms of quality. Don't have to tell you. Molly Holly and Victoria... One star. Eddie That's versus, a tragedy. That is. That should be higher. Uh, I would say at least one, one and a half. Eddie and Kurt got four stars. Undertaker and Kane got one and a quarter stars. Okay. And Benoit three-way got four and three-four stars. 4.75. So. I'd probably swap the the star ratings between the two WWE champ the world title matches myself, but Alrighty then. That was WrestleMania twenty. We'll be back with WrestleMania twenty one. We're going Hollywood, Zach. Oh boy. Well you'll have to start paying me my big contract money. I have it got an agent signed and yeah, I got an agent. He he said that uh, I deserve a seven-figure salary, 
and that it needs to start coming in through our, our, our podcast bucks. Um, you know, cause we're, we're big time now. Oh man. We're going to, oh, no. we're going to Hollywood. We're big time is next year, the year after. Well, no, I know, but we're, we're going to Hollywood. So we're going to big time. There you go. All right. Well, hey, Matt, thank you very much. Everybody can check out our latest review of wrestling spot, wrestler spotlight, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger will be coming out by the time you hear this. And, Yay. Uh, yeah. So until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Zach. Thank you very much for listening. Reviewomania.com. We've see, listen to all our, all our other shows. All right, everybody. Peace out. Peace.